0: Somewhere over the ocean, an unidentified military cargo plane flew to an undisclosed destination. The plane had been sent by a mysterious organization, so mysterious in fact, that no one even knows of its existence, let alone its name. But in a world where nebulous and nefarious corporations exert influence from the shadows, Those under the employ of this mysterious organization know one thing. They're the good guys. Besides the pilot, there were only three other passengers. The first, a large Caucasian man. Sean is his name. His passport tells that he's a Brit. His permanent scowl implies that he's an evil Brit but the fact that he's on this very cargo plane shows that he's on his way to make amends with his past. The second passenger is even larger than the first. This man is called Lucas. His ethnicity is harder to discern, but not that it matters much. If you were to get on this man's bad side, his devastating punches would rock you like a thunderstorm long before you could even think about asking where this ambiguously brown man comes from. Also, both men are bald powder kegs, always on the verge of exploding into a testosterone-fueled rage. Then, there was Frank. Frank doesn't look as strong as the aforementioned passengers. While Sean was doing push-ups, Frank was simply leaning against the hull of the plane, seemingly in a tranquil state. While Lucas was lifting some of the plane equipment like makeshift weights, Frank was looking at his two revolvers. Frank thought that the plane ride would remain quiet until they reached a drop zone. But then Lucas dropped his weights with a loud bang. You never know how to do things quietly, do you? Sean said. Lucas raised his eyebrows. Oh, I'm sorry. Is my training regime intimidating you, toothpick? course not, Sean replied. But maybe if you laid off the weights for a while, you might stop looking like a Godzilla reject. Lucas half heartedly chuckled not even bothering to hide the fact he wasn't actually amused. Well, Mary Poppins, maybe you actually picked up some weights, you wouldn't be looking like you're an extra who stumbled off the set of a One Direction music video. Sean's scowl intensified. You know what? I take it back. It's good that you're always lugging those weights. Yeah, because when Jahat starts sending in planes after us, Maybe you can go and swat him out the sky, like King Kong. Lucas puffed his chest as he slowly walked toward Sean. You calling me a monkey, Harry Potter? Sean stood up and started walking menacingly as well. First of all, King Kong is a gorilla, not a monkey. But I'm not surprised your pea brain can tell the difference. Second of all, comparing you to any type of primate... Nah, that would be an unacceptable type of insult. Towards primates, that is. (laughs) Oh, you want to dance, whitey? Rather not. You're so clumsy, you'd probably just stomp on my feet. Want me to stomp on your ugly face instead? Bring it. Out of nowhere, Frank shouted. For the love of God, how many times do you have to do this before you both realize that dick size doesn't matter? Sean and Lucas were stunned silent. They were accustomed to the banter that always played out between the two of them, but they've known each other for years. Frank, on the other hand... Well, Frank's a complete outsider. Sean and Lucas met Frank while they were clearing out an enemy compound. The only reason they let him tag along was because, like Sean and Lucas... Frank had an axe to grind. Holy shit, Sean, did you hear that? Lucas asked. I can't believe my ears either, said Sean. The little kid knows how to speak. Now, by most definitions, Frank wasn't exactly little. But compared to these two, he most certainly was. Yeah, I know how to speak, Frank said. Which is good, because I got something to say. More specifically, I got something to ask. Sean and Lucas, now fully turned towards Frank, were eagerly awaiting what the new guy had to say. Don't you two ever get tired of all this? Frank asked. The two bold testosterone bombs gave each other a puzzled glance and said in unison, What do you mean? Frank slowly stood up, holstering his revolvers. Let me phrase it differently then. How many times did the two of you save the world? <laughs> More times do you can count, kid, said Sean with pride. ''That's right,'' added Lucas. ''We're damn good at it. So if you ever wondered, now you know what it's like to work alongside the greats.'' Frank didn't respond at first. He simply walked away from Sean and Lucas as if he'd forgotten there was a conversation going on. He cracked his knuckles as he slowly made his way to the back of the plane. Frank turned his head to the left slightly, giving his companions an aside glance. Is that so? he asked, his voice giving away a slight hint of contempt. Sean wasn't having it. Oi, if you don't want to work with us, we can also hand you over to the police, you know. Lucas was slightly confused by this statement. Whoa, 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 whoa. Frank didn't do anything wrong, did he? Sean's scowl turned into a grin. Oh, he sure did. Can't you see? He pointed at Frank. With the way this kid's dressed, I'm pretty sure the fashion police have a warrant for his arrest. Sean and Lucas bursted out into boisterous laughter. If one were to see how Frank was dressed, they might join in the laughter. While Sean was sharply dressed in a fancy suit and Lucas was wearing a simple short-sleeved grey shirt that showed off all his muscles, Frank's outfit was a bit more outlandish. For starters, Frank was wearing bright red jeans that were clearly showing wear and tear. Second, Frank had on him a deeply creased, navy blue button-up shirt. That on its own may be considered plain, but the tiny arctic blue birds that adorned the button-up shirt gave it a bit more character. A loose, brown tie hung around Frank's neck like a noose but the strangest piece that completed Frank's look was the giant black football helmet that he wore on his head. Frank stopped in his tracks. Then he started laughing too. Then he laughed just as hard as Sean and Lucas. But as Frank slowly turned to face the two, Their laughter grew softer as his laughter grew louder. When the duo locked eyes with Frank, all the laughter abruptly stopped, because how could they laugh? When Sean and Lucas saw Frank's gaze, they saw emptiness. Then, Frank spoke. (laughs) Very funny. If I hadn't heard such jokes all my life, I would have been impressed. But even before I wore what I'm wearing, even before I became what I am now, I always had to listen to guys like you, who always seemed to be locked in a never-ending dick-measuring contest. You know, a long time ago, I was just a mook, A punch-clock villain who got hired by the people you two keep fighting with. Basic training, good pay, even some friends. I had a relatively good life. And even when the HQ of my employer would be reduced to ash because their evil plans were thwarted, I'd just take my resume to greener pastures, waiting for a new scorching to come. Although I've seen plenty of my associates die, this cycle gave me a sense of stability, a sense of comfort even. But then came my latest employer, Mr. Jahat. Lucas's eyebrows tensed up again. Sean's scowl returned with a vengeance. The fact that Frank used to work for their current nemesis caused some slight concern. Frank picked up on this. Oh, don't worry, my protein shake addicts. I'm not here to double-cross you. Such plans never work out. Lost a lot of my female co-workers that way. Truth is, I hate that scum-feeding ass maggot more than the two of you do combined. Lucas gave a tiny smile, making a mental note to remember the phrase scum-feeding ass maggot. Frank continued. Jahad made some bold claims during initiation day. He said that the whole game would be changed, that we would gain a new insight that would give us an edge over those who might dare and stop us. So, people like you. In exchange for a hefty compensation, some of us volunteered to undergo a new kind of surgical procedure. Although I wasn't given the specifics, I enlisted. Frank slowly took off his helmet. Sean and Lucas were overcome with disgust as they saw the pieces of metal sticking out of Frank's skull and skin. Yeah, said Frank. I shouldn't have done it. I should have walked away from this whole business altogether but I bought into Jahad's bullshit, and this was the price I had to pay. Sean approached Frank. He gave the metal protrusions a close look. He saw a lot of crazy things in his career, but this level of brutality was new. Even the him. Lucas remained in place, arms crossed and face showing concern. What was the surgery for? He asked. Frank held his helmet in his left hand. He was rubbing the railing that usually covers his mouth as he was gathering the courage to delve into his past. Project Providence was the name of the experiment. With the help of some techno mumbo-jumbo that I didn't and still don't understand, Jahad wanted to give us... Clairvoyance. Sean took a few steps back. Clairvoyance? Like, like looking into the future, said Lucas, cutting off his British friend. Great. So Mr. Jahad is not only dangerous, he's also insane. There's no doubt about that, Frank continued. But not only that, he's also a genius, because it actually worked. Neither Lucas or Sean had a way to reply to that. So Frank simply continued. After I woke up from surgery, I was immediately met with intense flashes of pain, headaches, dizziness, constant unease. But in exchange, I saw it. Sean, never want to shy away from playing the pronoun game, asked what it was. The future, Frank said. However, it didn't work like Jahat intended. I don't see the future of our reality. I see infinite and constant simulations of infinite and constant variations of what could be our future. Most of my friends, who also underwent the surgery, killed themselves because the constant visual and auditory input was too overwhelming. But not me. Over time, I didn't see my new power as a curse but as a gift. You see, I've realized the fundamental truth about the world you and I live in. And what is this truth then? Lucas asked. That good never truly wins and evil never truly loses. And this isn't because the war between good and evil is never ending. It's because our world is nothing but this very war. Without it, our very existence would be empty. Family, friends, loved ones, none of it lives separately. All of it serves the war. No matter how many times you two fought, you reached the end, something will always draw you back into the life. And no matter how many times evil is burned to the ground, A greater evil will always rise from the ashes. In this world of ours, it doesn't matter whether you are good or evil. It matters that you must be either one or the other. If you don't choose a side and rather try and fade into the background, the tides of this eternal war will swallow you whole. So I chose good. Not because it was the right thing to do, but simply because this side has fewer assholes, less backstabbers, and less chance of dying a karmic death. But even with these benefits, I also saw that the good side can suck, especially if you don't stand out. You see, saving the world is but a secondary objective to us. Our true objective is to save the world and look good. While doing it, if you can't inspire, can't leave others in awe as you save the world for the hundredth time, his world of ours will drag you six feet under. So I dress funny. I act weird. I use revolvers that, while undeniably awesome, are really obsolete in this day and age. I do all this. As Frank was about to finish his monologue, the cargo plane just entered the crosshairs of anti-air cannons. Explosions went off all over the place, the deafening noise only outmatched by the pilot screaming over the intercom that the drop zone was hot. And they needed to jump, straight away. Lucas and Sean scrambled to get their parachutes, but Frank just turned around and walked to the opening cargo door. Frank, what the hell are you doing? screamed Sean. Get your damn shoot, idiot, hollered Lucas. Frank paid them no mind, and somehow, between all the noise, Frank finished what he was about to say, in the same nonchalant tone, and defying all laws of acoustics, Sean and Lucas heard him clear as day. I do all this, not because I can but because I must. If I do anything less, I will fade into the tides. And just like that, Frank jumped out of the cargo plane towards Mr. Jahat's evil lair, without a parachute. But he knew it'd be okay. He knew he'd somehow land safely. He knew that Mr. Jahat would catch a bullet. Frank knew he and his companions would win this battle. He knew someone worse would take Jahat's place. And Frank knew he'd have to save the day again. Because good never truly wins and evil never truly loses. But fortune shall always favour. Frank <sighs> so that was Fortune's favor. The short story that I wrote yesterday, all in one go. Um you know what didn't go in one go recording this goddamn episode. You know, When it comes to poetry or um, episodes wherein I work without a script, I have to read out loud, things go rather smoothly. You know, I make one recording, I put it on Anchor and share it with the world. But today I was not having a good time. I had to hit the stop button, I had to stop recording, and I had to delete recording so many times before I had to start over and try and do it right, Uh, so I just want those few people that listen to this podcast to know, I put a lot of effort into this, um, but I still love it. (laughs) I still love doing it. Um, I do know that... I was absent from the podcasting game for a long time, but... Well, that's what real life does to you, doesn't it? Anyway... uh, I hope you enjoy, or you have enjoyed, because I'm gonna put this part at the end of uh, the short story... Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast and, well, till next time.